Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the brand new Las Vegas Raiders. This is the Raiders Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosher. Hey there, welcome into our week 14 episode for the regular season. We're in December now, Marcus. The game's mattering a little bit more. My wife has the Christmas decorations out. The baby's got mm. his Christmas onesies on. It's a great time to be talking football, my man. It is. This is uh, always the best time of the year for so many different reasons. we got some uh, games with some big playoff implications over the next couple of weeks. It's, uh, it's fun. Both conferences are freaking insane with the playoff pitcher and both, you know, just everything changes after every game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, friendly reminder to our listeners to hit that subscribe button for us. Search the Raiders Wire, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're all over. Whatever's best for you, and we appreciate you. A lot to get to, Marcus, with this uh, really frustrating. You pick the adjective. Uh, this is a disappointing yeah. game for the Raiders yeah. to lose this one at home. But I want to start with Kenyon Drake. Uh, he's kind of the big story. He had a tweet that's kind of blown up, and a lot of people are writing and talking about. Kenyon Drake called on the NFL to, let's just say, to look into the kind of tackle that snapped his right ankle in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He tweeted that they, being the refs, are throwing flags for taunting and protecting quarterbacks from getting touched, but this is my second straight season being injured by a guy pulling me back and using his body weight to roll up on my legs, end quote. So we do see this kind of often, right, Marcus? The defender kind of wrapping up the ball carrier, dropping his hips, and then kind of letting gravity bring the guy down. And as Drake yeah. is saying, like... These are often the kinds of lower body blows that horse collar tackles brought in and that the NFL kind of eradicated. So what do you think about all this, the aftermath, Drake calling on the NFL? Do you think this is something they should definitely take a look at? Yeah, so it's not all that dissimilar to the horse collar thing that you just talked about. We, we saw this happen, was it really with Roy Williams back in the day with T.O., right? Yes, he he yes, brought yes, down yes, yes. T.O., but that same way, it's kind of the same mechanism, you know, that hurt. Terrell owns his ankle. And we saw it last year with Dak Prescott. That's how Dak Prescott broke his ankle was because of Logan Ryan, Ryan grabbing him from the side and then just kind of using his weight against them. So it's, it's a really, really tough tackle. He's probably right that the NFL should do something to, to kind of take this play away from the game. But I don't know how you, how you go about doing that because that, tackle is so common you can watch it on Sundays and you'll see it 20 times it's it's really unfortunate but I just I don't know if there's anything the league can do about it yeah I agree I don't know how you flag this play because I think no. Raiders defenders are tackling Antonio Gibson the same way you know what and, I mean like, and, and the last thing we need after what we saw on Thursday last Thursday was more flags exactly, right like exactly it's, it's really unfortunate and I get why Kenyon Drake is frustrated but I'm just not sure what you do yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of backing Drake on this one. Some former players have chimed in. Yeah. Everyone except for Washington football fans, right? Because I think <laughs> they have their own gripe with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And this is sure. another play and kind of a, a clip that's getting a lot of run on social media, Marcus. You know, that Ngakwe goes low on this backside block against Logan Thomas on a run play to Gibson. That went in completely the other direction. It was the other side of the field. And Logan Thomas gets taken out the knees by Ngakwe and is feared to have a torn ACL and MCL. Mm-hmm. The Washington Wire on our little network, our little USA Today network, called mm-hmm. it the, the play brutal, unfortunate, and unnecessary. Um, you know, you watch a lot of film, Marcus. Do you see this a lot? Do you see guys taking out the, you know, the guy that's trying to set that backside edge? Do you see the defender 
taking that player out? Like, what what do you think about this? Was this something that happens, or is this dirty? Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, it sounds like the news that Washington got back from Logan uh, Thomas is actually better than expected. I saw Ron Rivera said that there's no torn ACL. Oh, that's good. And there's an and there's an outside chance that he could come back. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, the, the defenders are in a tough spot because they can't go high to take on that block because of a recent rule where you know they, they really can't go to the head or chest area or neck area, so they're forced to go low to try to take out the blocker. And it's, it's another thing. I just don't know what the NFL and the players are supposed to do there when you've basically taken the head out of the NFL. I think it's, it's really unfortunate that Logan Thomas got banged up or he got hurt. Could could Ngakwe probably have avoided it? Yeah, I think so, but I'm not sure it's necessarily a dirty play either. Yeah, because I think the argument is that he could see, you know, in theory, we're not on the field and we're not we're not doing we're not yeah. running at full speed, but in theory, he could see the play developing and not coming at him, Marcus. Right? Is that why people think it's dirty? But yeah, I think that's part of it. But it's that's really easy to see when you're you get a you know angle of the the whole entire field yes. and you can see where the running back is going. Ngakwe is just doing what he's asked to do on that play, to take out the blocker and let the linebacker come in and make the play. If if Gibson come, you know, cuts back and tries to, to go that way, uh, he would have been responsible for that. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a dirty play. It's just very unfortunate. All kinds of little storylines coming out of this ball game, including some comments by Josh Jacobs, which I want to get to in a little bit. But what's kind of your main takeaway out of this uh, 17-15 loss to the football team, Marcus? For me, it's like you're held without a touchdown until the fourth quarter. That's just a story that yeah. never ends for us. The Raiders are one of the, you know, they're they're a good offensive team. They actually move the ball. The stats are in their favor for moving the football. Yeah. It's just when they get to the 20-yard line, they can't do anything with it. They can't score. Um, but, you know, I think for me, it's like letting Washington kind of control the pace of the game with Antonio Gibson, control the time of possession, and keep this low scoring all the way into the fourth quarter, that was super frustrating for me. It's like, what is that? You know, the Washington's not that good. Yeah, so my biggest takeaway is, how did this team beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving? I'm still bitter about that. No, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you should be. You should be. No, I, here's the thing. The Raiders had their chances. They can play with any team in the league when they want to, and I really think they should have won this game. Trevon Merrick, their second-round rookie safety, had an interception in his hands that would have been a pick six, and the game would have been completely over. And he just dropped it. And that's the difference between being seven and five and being the number seven seed in the AFC to probably not making the playoffs this year. So those little tiny plays, uh, and this for whatever reason, they can't find ways to get it done this year. You know, they lost to the giants, uh, you know, basically on the last possession of the game, they lost to Washington on the last possession of the game. They're just not figuring out ways to get it done. And it's really unfortunate because I do think this is a talented team. All right, we'll keep picking away at this loss for the Raiders with our questions of the week right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 14 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers at Minnesota Vikings. His two best fantasy games have come in the last three weeks, and while his arm isn't what it used to be, Big Ben can still remain efficient with short area passing and rack up a couple of touchdowns along the way. Roethlisberger has at least two touchdown passes in three of his last four contests, and Minnesota has given up three or more such plays in the last five games, including 296 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks to Jared Goff last week. Even Dallas 
Dallas Cowboys backup Cooper Rush torched his defense in Week 8, and in the five games leading up to Week 13, Minnesota's ranked 34.7% better than average for a quarterback to face. Carolina Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard versus Atlanta Falcons. The rookie's last game as a starter came in Week 8 at Atlanta, in which he finished with 16.1 PPR points, his second best showing to date. The Panthers are not only without running back Christian McCaffrey for the rest of the year, but offensive coordinator Joe Brady was fired during the bye week. Hubbard should benefit from the newfound dedication to the running game, and he's a strong play number two in weekly formats. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver K.J. Osborne versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wide receiver Adam Thielen has an ankle injury and has been ruled out for this Thursday nighter, and Osborne is the next man up against a Steelers defense that will be without cornerback Joe Hayden once again. While that doesn't directly impact Osborne, it shifts the coverage around in his favor. Four times in the last five games, a wide receiver scored against the Steelers, and the position has averaged the 12th most yards per game during that window of operation. Osborne is a slightly risky, but certainly viable wide receiver three with number two upside. New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram at Denver Broncos. Ingram might as well have Tom the hot dog salesman throwing to him in week 14, but this matchup is so dang good that it's hard to get away from it. Quarterback Daniel Jones is unlikely to play, and his backup, Mike Glennon, suffered a concussion in week 13. That leaves Jake Fromm as the third stringer. In reality, is Fromm really that much worse, if at all, than Glennon? Probably not. LA has allowed tight ends five touchdowns in the last 22 catches, which is solidly the easiest matchup in that metric. Play Ingram as a flyer for a cheap touchdown. The playoffs will be upon us in week 15. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus. Josh Jacobs, as I teased earlier, kind of called out his teammates and coaches, I think. I want to get your take on this. You know, he says, I feel like we just come in stiff and dull in games, and sometimes I don't feel like it should take somebody having a big play for everybody to take that mindset of wanting to be on that. So it's just basically Jacob saying that we come out stiff and dull and uh, we don't start. I kind of agree with him, right? But what do you think about Jacobs making this comment um, to the media and not to his teammates behind closed doors? I mean, I think he's absolutely right. This team has started off incredibly slow. It seems like in every game this season, uh, they're, they're in a hole every single week. And they're just struggling to find ways to put games away. So I, I think he's right. I saw Rich Passaccia today said that this team needs to start faster and end faster. And I listen, it sounds so simple, but it's true. They just can't get down early in these games. They can't just pretend they're going to sleepwalk to the first quarter and find ways to make it competitive. They're not that good of a team where they can they can coast for two or three quarters. They're, they're, I mean, I think they're talented. They're not that talented. Side question on this one, Marcus. Do you think he's going after his teammates or the coaches? Because if you want to be an a-hole like me and look for storylines to talk to talk about both, on a podcast, both, yeah, both. It, it really feels like a commentary on the coaches not getting the players ready. And we know the coaching staff isn't the same as it was to start the year. And also I'm reading up on Raiders Wire on how Dabo Sweeney is wearing Raiders mm, gear on the sideline mm. and likes to FaceTime with Derek Carr. Like, what's what is going on here? You know, maybe this is a commentary on the coaches. Yeah, so we should we should talk about that, right? Dabo should, was yes, out, we should, he was on the sideline uh, before this game, you know, talking to all the players and stuff. I I think it's more he just wanted to see the best receiver in the league, Hunter Renfro, 
uh, up close and personal because he hasn't seen him in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's that's a joke. Uh, Renfro, though, another good game. But could could the Raiders potentially be going after Dabo once the season's over? They they do love their Clemson players. They drafted a whole bunch of them in the first and second round. So this it's something interesting to know. I would not be surprised if the Raiders do make a little bit of a run at somebody like Dabo. Please tell me it won't happen, Marcus. Please tell me it won't happen. I think it would be an awful fit, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't listen, feel we, right. It doesn't feel good. We, we did see Dabo, was this a couple years ago, said, that, you know, once we start paying players, I'm not going to be able to coach in college anymore. And then all of a sudden, Clemson had one of the worst years of their, uh, you know, in recent memory this year. Maybe maybe Dabo is thinking about making a move. So who knows? If you're going college, this just this literally just came to me in the moment. Coach O. Give me Coach Ogeron. Oh. That would be good. That we need that thing. We need something. We need like an edge, an attitude thing. I don't know. Sweeney just doesn't do it for me. Brian Kelly? <laughs> no, not Brian <laughs> Kelly. Absolutely not Brian <laughs> Kelly. All right. I don't think I said this at the beginning, but this is our questions of the week when I throw questions at Marcus that he's not prepped on. And here's question number two. The Raiders, Marcus, are – so I, I hit on this earlier. The Raiders are fourth in the league in average yards per play at 6.0. So they move the football very, very well. The problem is – they're 17th in the league in points per game at just 22.8. So tell me, how the hell does that happen? How are you fourth in the league in average yards per play, but 17th in the league in points per game? Because this isn't a very good red zone offense. They've kicked the second most field goals under 40 yards this year. Do you know who is number one? No. It would be your New England Patriots. Uh, no team has kicked more short field yes, goals yes, than the yes, Patriots. Falk, but, yeah, fantasy weapon. Yeah, yeah, fantasy weapon, maybe and uh, MVP of the NFL. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think they got to get better there. Derek Carr has never really been a strong red zone quarterback. And it doesn't really make sense because he's accurate. He's got a good arm. They've got playmakers, right? When Darren Waller's healthy, he's one of the better red zone guys in the league. They can run the ball. That's their biggest problem. And Ryan, to be frank, it's the reason why they haven't made the playoffs over the last couple of years. They're just not good enough inside the 10, 15 yard line. Yep. Settling for too many field goals and especially short ones has been an ongoing theme over the years. And you're 100% right. They, they're they among the bottom in the league in red zone efficiency. 50%. Flip a coin when they get in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means they're great between the 20s and, and bad when they're near the end zone, which is which to me makes you kind of a, a fraudulent offense, I guess, uh, until they can solve that thing. And then another part of this is that they're 30th in the league at third down conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Um, 33.81%, Marcus. I looked that up this morning. So for context, Kansas City the team we're going to be seeing this weekend first at 50.69% because they're always in third and short. Yep, but, yep. Uh, so 50.69% is number one. The Raiders are 30th at 33.81%. So they're a good team. The Raiders, we always feel like, man, they're a good team, but they underachieve. If they could just figure out how to convert third downs and score in the red zone, they could be right there. They could make a Super Bowl run. And you would think this would be a team that should be good on third down with Renfro in the slot, yes. usually having Darren Waller and Foster Moreau at your tight ends. Uh, they, they've got a good brushing attack. And then you've got Carr, who's fairly athletic. So if you need him to scramble and pick up a first down, he can do it. But for whatever reason, they got a lot of miscues on third down. They sometimes are over-aggressive. They'll take a 40-yard shot down the field on third and two rather than just picking up the first down. It's whoever the head, the head coach next year, they've got to figure out how to solve third down in red zone. Because if you do, I think this is a team that can win nine, ten games every single year. I agree 100%. So, uh, okay, question number three, our weekly playoff pitcher reset, Marcus. According to 538.com, the mm. playoff odds for the Raiders sit at 9%. So they've yep. gone down. Yep. Entering the week, they were at 20%. So they've they've plummeted after this loss to Washington, as it should. You lost to Washington at home. Yep. 
Are you in or out on the Raiders as we stand right now qualifying for the playoffs? Yeah, I'm probably out because that's probably their most winnable game on the schedule is against Washington. You're at home. You had 10 days to get ready for that one. Washington was on a short week. And now you don't play a team the rest of the season with a record under 500. So it's only going to get harder. Uh, this, the week actually lined up pretty well for them. They had a lot of teams lose that were in playoff contention between the Broncos, the Ravens, uh, you know, the Chargers, or excuse me, the Bengals lost. But I think we're at a point now they almost have to run the table in order to get the playoffs. And I just don't have any confidence that they can do that. Yeah, I literally put in my notes, the Raiders do control their own destiny. That's great, right? They do. I mean, if they win yeah. out, but I just don't. Like, how do you control your own destiny when you have to go win road games in Kansas City, Cleveland, I mean, and Indy over the next four weeks? I don't see it. Now, if they win four of their final five, I, I do think they're going to be in the playoffs. Agreed. But there's nothing that we've seen over the last two months that suggests that they're going to go on any kind of run like that. No, no. Unfortunately, we've Raiders fans have seen this movie before. They know how this ends. Uh, it, it's so it's so frustrating. Not to beat a dead horse, but I just thought they were such they're such a legit kind of sleeper team for a team that's around mm-hmm. 500 because of the way they rush the passer and the way they can move the football on offense. Right? It's just like, but it's so frustrating that we're. We're at a, the end of another season, Marcus, and they're kind of spiraling towards missing the playoffs again. You just yeah. feel it coming. Yeah, and it feels like we're going to get an entirely new coaching staff. And that, it sounds like a good thing, you know, getting somebody else in here that's going to help change the culture. But that means you could lose somebody like Gus Bradley, who's been just a revelation for them on defense and who's allowed like somebody like Casey Hayward and Nate Hobbs to play really well. But that's just kind of the, the nature of the business when you're a 6-6 six and six team needing a restart. All right, coming up next, we're going to look at Raiders at Chiefs and the spread, and uh, we'll do that right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Cardinals favor two and a half points and the total sitting at 51 and a half. I'm on the Cardinals minus two and a half here because I have the better quarterback and the better defense. And this line, this game is priced as if these teams are are even even on a neutral field, whereas I think Cardinals are favored or should be favored on a neutral field. So I'll take them lane two and a half at home. Nate, how are you betting the Rams-Cardinals game? All right, so both teams rank in the top 10 in opponents passing yards per game, yet they love to throw the ball. The Rams are averaging under 24 points per game versus teams with top 10 pass defenses. Combine it all, and I think the under 52 looks good. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Marcus, Raiders at Chiefs. Just to give you an idea of where the betting public is on this game, the Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites going into this game. Uh, so the Raiders not very close to Kansas City. Uh, you know, the Chiefs kind of, they hadn't been looking like themselves about a month ago until they played the Raiders yeah. in that game yeah. in Vegas when they, the 41 to 14 smackdown in Vegas. right? When they, yep. And uh, now they've kind of, I think they're a bit overshadowed by my Patriots. They've won five straight now with that win over Denver on uh, Sunday night, right? They've they've just kind of been playing well. 
and you were tweeting about how their defense is playing, in, you know, insanely well. Like uh, their defense yep. has made a turnaround, like at the snap of a finger midseason. That I don't think I've ever seen a defense that was that bad turn it around and be this good. Yeah, they're allowing. Uh, they have allowed thirty three total points in the second half in the last seven games they played it, which is just absolutely incredible. So. It's just a bad matchup for the Raiders this year. They don't have the guys to stop Kansas City. The Chiefs' offense has been, I don't know, downright awful this year, and yet they still put up 41 against uh, the Raiders in Las <laughs> yes, Vegas. Yes. So I have no doubt that the Chiefs are going to score in the upper 20s, low 30s in this game, and the Raiders will probably hang around for a quarter or two, but they're just not on the same talent level right now. I expect I expect Kansas City's defense to take over and to win this game. It's, and this will probably be the game that ends the season for the Raiders. Yeah, I unfortunately agree, and I have some stats to back it up. Uh, but first of all, I think the the only thing I like for the Raiders is probably Josh Jacobs in fantasy football, after seeing what Javante <laughs> Williams did. Just do Josh, Josh Jacobs do that in fantasy football, yeah. and you'll be good. Well, he's going he's gonna to have to with yeah. no Kenyon Drake this 100%. week. Uh, Jalen Richard is probably going to miss this game because of the, being on the COVID list, so... Yeah, Josh Jacobs, here comes 30 touches for you on Sunday. Yeah, it feels like the same kind of spot. Javante Williams had uh, he finally got rid of Melvin Gordon, and now Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs gets rid of Drake, and, and maybe he can uh, put up some points and, and do that thing. But that's the yep. only thing I like about the Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Here's now, what, I will say, I will say, Derek Carr has had a lot of success in Kansas City before. He's actually played better in Kansas City than he has at home. So there's a chance that Carr plays well. They might even be getting Darren Waller back this week, so that would help. Still, I, I I would pick the Chiefs to cover the spread this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would I. And here's why. I, I just here the reason I hate the Raiders in this game is as we kind of talked about earlier. Third down, right? The Chiefs are number yep. one in the league at extending drives, and the Raiders are just about dead last in that category. So one team that tells me, Marcus, one team's going to be having the football longer, and <laughs> that's the Chiefs. Yes, extending yes. drives more. In the last three weeks, the Chiefs are giving up third down conversions. At a 26.32% clip, second best in the league over that stretch in the last three weeks. So the Chiefs have been really stingy on defense on third down, and that's the thing the Raiders can't do on offense. So I hate this matchup. The stats just kind of show nine and a half. That's, I'm happy to back the Chiefs at that number. I really, really am. Yeah, and Melvin Ingram is starting to play really well for the Chiefs, and that allows Chris Jones to kick inside the defensive tackle, and he's going to be going up against Alex Leatherwood, who struggled uh, last week. Uh, John Simpson, who struggled last week. It's just a bad matchup for the Raiders all the way around. Yeah, I mean, the week I was betting the Raiders was last week. You know, two-point yep. favorites at home against Washington. I was hammering that line. I thought that was a sure win, and uh, boy, was that disappointing. They should have. They should have. Yes, Trevon Merrick had the ball in his hands. I mean, they wouldn't have covered the two-and-a-half-point spread, but still, <laughs> they, they had the they had the game in their hands. I just I was I was just baffled. In the fourth quarter, they're they're still trying to come back. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, Raiders. Yeah. Hey, what you need this week is a get right spot. You know, like the Jaguars, not Kansas City and Arrowhead. This is not what we need this week. No. Uh, but do you see anything with the total 49 and a half? I think because, as you were saying, the Chiefs' defense has been really really good and their offense has been oddly bad. <laughs> that the under that's kind of where I would just my gut reaction would be to lean under 49 and a half. That's a, that's a tricky line. I think I think Vegas got it right there. I think I would lean over. I, listen, Patrick Mahomes is just so good against the Raiders' defense, and Gus Bradley yes. doesn't change at all. He's going to use the same cover three defense that he always uses. <laughs> I think the Chiefs are going to put up. Uh, listen, I think thirty five is very realistic, so I think I would take the over here. 
All right, Marcus. It's Monday. We're recording on Monday, so I got to go get ready for this Pats Bills game, man. Mm, I'm fired enjoy up. My, I'm fired enjoy up. Enjoy my friend. I appreciate you, man. So for all the listeners, again, hit that subscribe button for us. We'll be back next week to break down whatever happens between Raiders Chiefs. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.